It's holiday party season in your friendly neighborhood Randall's holiday headquarters. From fresher meats and produce to baked goods made daily, Randall's has you covered for your next gathering. For something delicious and easy to serve, shop with a Remarkable card this week and get cooked spiral cut ham for just $1.69 a pound. And for a sweet snack, three-pound bags of sun-kissed clementines are only $2.87 each with your Remarkable card. Juicier meats, fresher produce, better holidays. Randall's, it's just better. Like a beacon of light, piercing the darkness. Nightlife. Revive us, Lord. Revive this land. As we seek your face. Revive a fire, come. Tonight's episode that was scheduled called Real Talk, has been rescheduled for next Tuesday due to a family emergency with my co-host. Instead, I'm going to play a message called Beauty for Ashes that will encourage those who are hurting, broken, or feeling a bit lost in life. After the message, I will be available for caller questions and comments. The number is 347-855-8298. Once you're connected, press 1. Welcome to Nightlight. I'm Deborah Nazemi, and I pray that this message will touch you deeply. Father, I want to lift up each and every person to you today, right now, and I want to pray that you reach them right where they are. Whatever their situation, whatever their circumstance, whatever they're going through, whatever they went through in the past, I thank you, Father, that you brought them on the call tonight and tonight was no accident for them, that you have a plan tonight to touch lives, and you have a plan tonight to set captives free. And I come in agreement with that right now. I come in agreement with your will. Father, you told me people would be set free tonight. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm expecting great things tonight. And let me tell you why. Number one, I am so out of my comfort zone that this this has to be God. Because I'm not a phone preacher. I've never done this before. And that means one thing to me. I know God wanted me to do this. And that means that his words are going to come out tonight. Amen. And his power, his anointing, his anointing is on me because of the fact that I said yes. Not because there's anything about me that's so special. Mm-hmm. And that applies to each and every one of us. I sense that there are quite a few people on the call tonight that have great anointings and callings on your life. And there are several of you, maybe a number of you, that have things in your life that are hindering you from reaching your destiny. That destiny that God has set before you. And we can be hindered sometimes because of our circumstances, because of our pain because of things that we haven't been healed of yet. But I want to declare to you tonight that God has freedom for you tonight. So tonight, we're going to get real. You know, a lot of times Christians have a really hard time getting real uh, because we've been taught that everything's cool. When somebody asks how we are, we say we're blessed, even if we're dying inside. We can say, I'm blessed. And nobody knows that you're hurting. And they walk away not ever knowing that you're hurting. So let's be real tonight. 
I'm going to be real about some things in, in my past, and I'm hoping that because of that, that God will use that in other people's lives. Maybe there will be some things that I say that, that touch a chord, things that you've been through yourselves. And I want you, those of you that are not muted, I want you to feel free to say amen or whatever, um, but you don't have to. <laughs> no, it's kind of a serious message, and it might, you know, it might be that you just feel very serious, and that's okay too. Um, I've been through a lot of things in my own life, and unless somebody really knows me, they don't know anything I've been through because I've been set free, and I've been healed. But I'm not the same person that I was. You know, God is a He's a triune being, and He has three parts: <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have three parts: a body, a soul, and a spirit. And tonight we're going to focus on the soul, which is the place where our mind, our will, and our emotions are. There's a lot of talk about healing in the church and God, God sovereignly healing people. But, you know, when it comes to our soul, a lot of times the healing doesn't come immediately because it's a process of changing our mind and aligning ourselves with what God says about us. And... That's a hard place to get to if we don't have the tools to do that. You know, if you've been abused, if you've been tormented, traumatized, rejected, abandoned, just gone through some heavy, heavy trials, maybe even physical situations that you just don't understand, God has good news for us. That healing is on its way. Amen. And there's hope. Amen. You know, that's what I love about God is that there's hope. There's always hope. No matter what's going on, there's always hope because God is perfect. You know, in life, maybe our parents or maybe your schoolmates or somebody in our life, they could say, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're stupid. All of those kinds of words, you know, most of us have heard them. But God's word says, you are wonderfully complex. And it says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And there are many other things that he says in his word that are the opposite of what we've been told about ourselves. I'm going to read Psalm 139, just a a few parts of it, um, starting with verse 14. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was in seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. That's that's a, a passage that I just love so much. I like this one part. Your workmanship is marvelous. That's David talking about himself. God's workmanship is marvelous. That means he didn't make any junk. And no matter what you've been told in your life, no matter what you've gone through in your life, you have to always remember that his workmanship, when he created you, is marvelous. He made us all complex. And each one of us different and special. God loves you. 
He does not hate you. And some people have been through so much, they wonder sometimes, does God hate me? Especially if we went through some really, really bad things in childhood. We wonder if God hates us or if God forgot us or if God just doesn't, maybe we're not his favorite. But he doesn't He doesn't act like that, not at all. These things God didn't do to you. And the truth is that God needs you. He needs each and every one of us to fulfill our part in the kingdom because we're all important. And again, like I said before, it's not because we're great. It's not even because we're capable. It's because he created us and designed us for a specific purpose. And when we are willing vessels, and especially if we're totally incapable, he can use us mightily. A lot of times we think he can use us because we are this or we are that. God's moving through me. And we can fall into that trap of thinking that there's something about us that made us worth God using us. But the truth is, the more we walk in humility and the more we come low, God can use us even more because then his power is manifested through us and brings him glory instead of us. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. And then in Luke 4 Verse 18 and 19, it says almost the same thing, but it's just a little bit different. In the second part, it says, He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, I want to see the blind see. Right now, we're talking about spiritually blind, emotionally blind, people that are oppressed. There's a lot of oppression in this world, and it, it breaks God's heart to see people oppressed and not free. But God says the time of favor has come. So then it goes on and says, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He would give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. I want to read that one again because it's so powerful. He'll give a crown of beauty for ashes. So that means if we've been so broken down that we can't even see which way is up, he'll replace it with beauty, a crown of beauty, and a joyous blessing where we were mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where I was in despair. And um, despair... Is, is akin to hopelessness. It makes you feel like giving up. Like, what's the point? I had despair a lot during my childhood. I had an emotionally disturbed mother who was violent and emotionally abusive and divorced when I was five, so I, then I didn't have a father in the house or around. And then when I was eight years old, My mother remarried, and my stepfather, who I thought hung the moon, ended up sexually abusing me. And it was such a, uh, it was such a trauma. You know, some people remember and some people don't that kind of abuse. Either way, it affects you, whether you remember it or not. For me, I didn't remember it until until much later. 
I began to realize that something had happened in my life, but I didn't know what had happened or or I should say who had done whatever it was. I didn't remember any details. But then later on, the Lord showed me just the extent of the sexual abuse that had occurred with my own stepfather, who I thought was my dad. And it, it shakes you up. And those of you that have been through it, and I'm sure that there are people on this call that have been through this. And if yes. you haven't, you know somebody is who is has. The statistics on this are extremely high. They used to say one in three women. Now it's much higher than that, and just as many men, boys, get sexually abused. Yes. And it's horrendous how it affects your life. And we don't even always know that that's what's driving us. For me, what it did was it it caused me to feel like I had no value. As I got grew into my teen years, the only value that I thought I had was my physical appearance. And even that was iffy for me. So then it came down to my sexuality. And I became promiscuous at one point. And uh, very promiscuous. And that was because I thought that that was the only value that I had. And I see that a lot now with the, with this generation, with these the young people. Feeling like you have no value, it skews your perspective so much that you don't even know which way to, to go. And then so you'll try anything. You'll do anything for approval and love and acceptance. But... As most of us know at this point, that doesn't fulfill anything. It doesn't set you free. It doesn't really make you feel loved. You just wake up the next morning feeling empty like you did the day before. So that went on for a few years. And as a child, I, you know, I was rejected by peers. And I'm sure, again, there's this. it's like there's this stamp on you. When you're going through abuse at home, you don't act normal. You don't... You're, you might be withdrawn, you might be, you know, you, you behave differently than your peers. And they pick up on it and, and because kids are kids and they don't always know how to act. They can be just as abusive as what you're getting at home. So then I went on and I married an abuser, not physically, but emotionally. And, you know, on and on and on. When I became, um, I think I was... 21, I was raped. And I thought it was my fault. You know, you hear that a lot. People think that being raped is their own fault. Somehow, if I had done something differently, if I had worn something differently, if I hadn't been in that spot, then maybe this wouldn't have happened to me. But the truth is, we have a real enemy who wants to kill us. And when we have a call on our life, the enemy will go after us again and again and again and again to try to get us to agree with him instead of agreeing with God. To try to get us for, to blame God instead of moving on in our life. And it can cause us to be stuck. Or we can go so far with God and have a relationship with God and still have that area in our life that's, that's still like a, a festering wound and, it, and yet it's hidden. I think it was maybe a year, two years later, I was raped again. But I kept going. I kept moving forward. That was before I knew Christ. And early in my 20s, I gave my life to the Lord, and things began to change. 
but I wasn't free yet. I was free in a lot of areas. I was delivered in a lot of areas, and I was passionately in love with the Lord. It was like night and day. When uh, when I was at that that age, I was so um, just wild. I was like a wild child, and it's a miracle that I didn't get killed in the process. I lived in El Paso. I lived on the you know right on the border practically. I would go and hang out in Mexico. And uh, just, you know, walk around at night and party and all of this stuff. It's really a wonder. It was during that time when women were getting killed right there on the border. And I didn't know about that. But but God protected me because he had a, a plan and a destiny on my life. And it wasn't long after that that I found him. So I went from being completely wild child to being radically in love with him. But I still wasn't all the way healed. And I was married to a man who treated me really, really bad. And, um, you know, then my life went on and went through some more trials and more tribulations and more sorrow and suffering. And I was married for 12 years to a man who who treated me that way. And eventually... I um I got free of that relationship and then I had another whole set of baggage to deal with. And it wasn't until I got to a point where I lost everything. I lost my children. My ex-husband decided that because he had money and I didn't and because he wanted me to live in a certain city and uh, he took me to court, my children away from me, and then he didn't treat them right, and he didn't love them. And that was the one that nearly crushed me. That was the one that brought me so low that it, I began to hate myself. I didn't even know I was hating myself. Those are the times when you're in that kind of low, when you need the body of Christ to come around you. And this is why I'm talking about being real, but also having compassion with one another. Because during this time, people in the church came up to me and said the stupid things. Just like, and it's the same thing that happens when somebody is, has a disease or an injury that they, don't, that they haven't gotten healed of. And that one, they can't hide. Everybody knows it. And people come up to you and they say things like, well, if you were being obedient to God, you would be healed. Or, in my case, well, you must have really done something terrible to lose your children. These are Christians. Instead of, I will pray for you, these these kinds of things didn't happen. So I went through life, basically, not knowing what love was. And, that you know, I'm used to being eyeball to eyeball to people when I'm talking and I in in connecting with you that way. And I hope I'm connecting right now. But I know there's at least some people on this call that have felt this way or maybe even still feel this way. Like you really don't have worth or value and or have been so devastated that a part of you hates yourself and you constantly need reassurance. That's a clue. If you constantly need reassurance from people, it means you have a place in your heart where you need to be healed. And God wants to touch that because he's the best one to reassure us. So what did God do? He took me, I lived in San Antonio at the time, he took me all the way to California to bring me to a place where there was one person who knew how to love unconditionally. And that one person 
God used that person to help transform my life. And you know what? It wasn't through conversation. It was through affirming me as a person. The first time I met this person, and, and he, was like a, he became like a spiritual father to me. But he looked at me and he said, you have destiny on your life. And I, and I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, God had started to speak some things to me, but I didn't know that somebody else would see that in me. But you know what? He saw my mess too, but he never said anything. I was so broken and so hurting that I was locked inside of a wall that I couldn't get out of. It was like I was inside this prison. But love unlocked the door to that prison. And that's where those of us that are not in that place, it's so important for us to love those that are. Because those that are don't know how to get out. I had built up all these walls around me. And one day, as the Lord started to take me through the healing process, one day he said to me, Deborah, you have put so many walls around you. And you're so protecting yourself, he said, you've locked yourself inside this prison. I didn't realize that those walls were keeping me from relationships. During that course of that time, I was in California for two years, and God had me going through intensive healing. First thing he did was he started to show me things about forgiveness, about repentance, And forgiveness includes forgiving ourselves for our mistakes. And that's probably one of the hardest things for us to do, is to forgive ourselves. And especially when we've been battered in some way, we assume that somehow, some way, it was our fault. And so forgiving ourselves can be very, very difficult. But the Lord showed me that there were some keys to freedom. And that was, it starts with forgiveness, repentance. You start to let go. You start to release the people that have hurt you. And by release, I mean tell God, not only do I forgive them, but I ask you to forgive me for judging that person for what they did to me because they're in your hands, God. You start doing all those things and you'd be amazed at the layers of heaviness that start to come off of you. You know, when I first lost the custody of my children, I was... As I said, I was so devastated, I lost not only my children, but I came home from court that day and someone had broken into my car and stolen every Christian tape that I had in my car, which of course was my encouragement, you know, and my music and all of that. And then that night, I cried out to God. I said, what did I do? What what did I do, God? Why did this happen? And because of my pain, I wasn't even able to really hear what he was saying to me. So he didn't talk a whole lot. He just told me to read Job. Now, I had read Job before. Job was a man of integrity. God called him a man of integrity, blameless. He was wealthy. He was blessed by God. God bragged on him. Then he gave Satan permission to test Job, but not to hurt him. And then later on, gave him permission to even harm his health. Job lost everything. At that time, the only thing that I thought that I understood from that passage or from that book was that he was a man of integrity, 
and he lost everything. He was a righteous man and he lost everything. Well, I, was, I had been trying to live my life righteously, so I thought, well, I was righteous and I lost everything. But I didn't get the deeper meaning in that until much, much later. You know, Satan did a lot of things to Job. Job did not curse God. But he did curse his own existence. And he did end up complaining. And he did end up, he cried out to God over and over and over again about his situation, about his circumstances. And his friends, like I was talking about the people that come and say things to you, his friends gave all kinds of explanations about what he or his family might or might not have done. You know, maybe you did this to offend God. Maybe you did that to offend God. Well, maybe your children did such and such. And that didn't help him, not one bit. And the whole book of Job is these conversations back and forth and conversations with friends and conversations with God. In the end, the real message in that was that, I'm just going to read it. Job said to the Lord, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, Who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And here's the part that really gets me. Job said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything. I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. That is so powerful. God allowed all of those things so that Job would know him. Not so that Job would hear about him and continue to just hear about him and have a superficial relationship with God, but so that Job could come to know him. There is nothing that we can go through that's not worth knowing him. I can tell you that much. Having come out the other side, and it's been quite a few years now since all of those things happened in my life, there is nothing that I have gone through that hasn't been worth the the ability to know him the way I've come to know him. And I'm still in the process of knowing him more and more and more. As we go on, we continue to know him more. But we don't have righteousness of our own, and that's, that's where I really missed God in that part. That wasn't the message that God had. We only have his righteousness. It's like a robe we can put on. It's his righteousness in us, working in us, working through us. Job had exchanged his righteousness for God's when he repented, and then he recognized that knowing about God wasn't enough. He wants to know us intimately. And I'm going to tell you, Every time the enemy attacks us, it's because we're a threat. He doesn't attack people that are not a threat to him. If we're living a superficial Christian life, he's not going to bother with us. But when we start to move forward into our destiny, he will really try to come after us. And the biggest thing he will try to do is discourage, distract, and dissuade us from our mission. God's brought me to the place now where when I go through a trial, when I go through a situation that is really hard, you know, and we don't ever stop going through them, just FYI, in case you didn't know that. But when it happens now, I've learned to be very quick to say to God, whatever it is you need to teach me through this, I embrace it. 
Because when we do that, somehow, number one, the trial seems easier to walk through. And number two, it doesn't last quite as long. Because we're overcoming the enemy. We're overcoming the enemy by agreeing with God. See, that's an example. When you say, okay, God, I'm going to embrace what I'm supposed to learn, you're saying, God, I agree with you. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm going to trust you. Amen. I'm going to love you. I remember times when I was so broken over my children, laying in my bed, crying and not able to stop crying for days on end. And I said to the Lord, I'm going to praise you no matter what. I trust you, God. But it took every ounce of strength I had to do that. Hallelujah. Only God can heal a broken heart. And he is so good at it. The Bible says that he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. That's right. That is why it's worth it. Because you know what? It's not about me. Our life with God is not about us. It's about Him. It's about His kingdom. It's about His people. It's about why He brought us on this earth in the first place. To love Him and to love those He loves. And when He comforts us in our troubles, suddenly we understand those troubles that other people are going through that we couldn't, we couldn't even fathom it before. See, now I can say I've been through so many things that almost everybody that I talk to that's going through something, I can relate to it at some level because Amen. I've been through that. Amen. And if I haven't been through that specifically, I understand brokenness. I understand being in despair. I understand loneliness. I understand what it's like to be sexually abused. I understand what it's like to not be loved. And so when people don't understand why they're going through what they're going through. I'm able to offer comfort. And so can you. If no matter what you've been through, when God takes you through the other side, you're able to offer comfort and life and maybe even save somebody's life because of what God has put in you through what you've walked through in your life. And if the, and if the only thing you can take away from this tonight is that there is a purpose in the midst of everything, then please take that. Take it and embrace it. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you've gone through when you were a child, if you surrender, truly surrender, if you truly repent for any attitudes that came out of that, and and let me tell you, there is not one of us that's gone through things like that that didn't in some form or fashion have an attitude. Nobody's going to do that to me again. That's a common one. That's something we need to repent of because only God can make that happen. And when we say that, even if we're a little kid, we have to release that because we're opening that door to Satan to come in and hurt us again when we try to do it in our own strength. We need to forgive those that have hurt us. That does not mean telling them they can do it again. We just need to let it go. 
We need to surrender to God and to the will of God, and we need to obey him. When we do those things, he'll take us through that process. He'll set us free. I just want to pray right now for all of you. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that no matter what's happened in our life, no matter what the enemy has tried to throw at us, no matter what the enemy's tried to convince some of these precious people is the truth, we know that you're the truth. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. You give us life eternal. Not only that, you give us joy in the midst of sorrow and you replace our despair with dancing. So I pray for complete healing for these people, for everyone who needs it tonight. I pray for a new perspective, that you'll give them the perspective that you have about them, about their life, and about their destiny. And I thank you for these people, Father. I thank you for the destiny that you've put on their lives. And I pray that you'll thrust them forward into their future. All for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are listening to Nightline. In just a minute, we're going to take a few caller questions. So if you have any questions or brief comments, call 347-855-8298. That's 347-855-298. And press 1 so that we know you have a question. And while we're waiting for people to get through, I just want to remind you, If you've been crushed in your life, if you need healing in your soul, if you're a victim of violence, rape, sexual abuse, if you can't find your way out of your suffering, just know this. You are loved. There is hope. There's life after sorrow. Let him take your tragedy and turn it into triumph. Let him take your ashes and make it into something beautiful something that only God can do. I'm going to take our first caller question from Terry in Kyle, Texas. Terry, welcome to Nightlight. You hear me? Yes. You're on the air. Oh, okay. Well, my question is, um, with everything that's going on um, in the world and in our country, everybody seems to be concerned with everything that is going on. When you have your own personal things going on in your life, how do you you get through all that? Hmm. that's a really broad question um are you you referring to the fear that people have with everything that's going on in the world 
Well, that would be one aspect of it. <clears throat> but when people oh, I... have their own problems connected, you know, just daily right. living and family, and then they've got this other pile on top of them. Well, all I can say is what I learned to do in my life, and that is to worship daily, to pray, to maintain communication with the Lord as much as I possibly can, and to spend time with him just being in his presence and let him bring that comfort and let him bring that strength. And the other thing that I would say to that is the more we reach outside of ourselves, the less we have fear and these struggles, they might still be there, but they're more, you're more able to walk through them when when we're not so focused on our own situation, but we focus on the needs of others, not to neglect our own situations, but to reach outside of ourselves has a way of bringing us a lot of joy, even in the midst of some hard times. So, so thank kind you. Of, uh, thank you. <clears throat> furthering the uh, dying to self. Mm-hmm. Yes, and these times have a way of forcing that on us. Um, the only way we're going to survive hard times is community, and especially people who know the Lord joining together and coming together in one accord in love and supporting and protecting one another and praying for one another. So thank you for your question. Thank you for your answer. Our next caller is Bruce from San Marcos, Texas. Hello, Bruce. Welcome to Nightlight. Oh, thank you so much. I, I enjoy the show. It's very good. Um, what would you say to someone who uh, has been through a lot of abuse and uh, just a lot and it just really struggles with um, just feeling inadequate, not good enough, you, you give an effort, but you, you always feel like it's it's not good enough because you, and you're, you're afraid a lot. And uh, what would you say to someone that's been through that? Well, you know, part of that depends on if it's past, present. Um, you know, if someone is, let's just say someone is presently going through abuse. I would say two things. If the abuse is severe, I would say separate yourself from the situation because the abuse won't stop um, until there can be a resolution or if there's a resolution, that's, the, that's the, the safest thing to do. Then the second thing is for your own soul is to begin to learn how to agree with God with the things that he says about you. Search the scriptures. And the scriptures are full of things that God says about us in the way he sees us, even though we don't see ourselves that way. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, for instance. Um, a lot of times we don't feel very righteous, and especially if somebody's telling us otherwise. But he says we're the righteousness of God in Christ, which means his righteousness lives in us. Another thing I would say, uh, and this is something that I really struggled with, is and it might seem kind of opposite to what you would think, 
but I had to learn to rejoice in being a failure. And the reason that God wants us to learn to do that is because there is nothing in us that is able to overcome anything. Uh, And doing it by our own strength does not give place for God to do it. So that's another thing is learn to be weak. Learn to rejoice in being weak because his word says that when I'm weak, he's strong. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so take that to the Lord and let the Lord encourage in that way to strengthen with his strength is an amazing thing. And to know that you have nothing of your own makes it even greater when you see him move mightily in you and through you. So thank you for your question. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that's very good. Thank you. All right. God bless. My next caller is another Terry from Houston, Texas. Terry, you're on the air. Welcome to Nightline. Hi. Thank you so much. Hi. Wow. Well, you're starting to answer my questions before my question gets asked. Okay. <laughs> so you said, and here's the deal for years and it's much better now but of of the first thing when I opened my eyes was hearing the word you're a failure um single mom you know living through just the struggles of that um and that's where the enemy seems to attack me the most is in parenting you know being a good mom um and then mm-hmm. another thing you said um you know so you just kind of answered that you said you, you know what agree with that instead of letting I guess instead of letting the enemy just let that be that heavy blanket on me, just say, yeah, I am. (laughs) That's kind of freeing. I got to kind of figure out how to do this in my mind. You know, that's totally flipping it around, but it makes a lot of sense because I am. I mean, I'm nothing without God. And then the other thing um, earlier you had said was um, I just went blank. Oh, help me, Lord. Um, and, you know, one of the things I'm, I've been thinking about is that there are so many people like me um, and like things you went through, even when you first met the Lord, you know, still under that attack. And how many believers, how many people are out there that are still under that blanket and that heaviness and the oppression you're talking about? who are believers, who, who, who God's called for such a time as this. I mean, that's, that's really where we're at now. It's it's the time to wake up and you're just, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. It's, 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 it's really good. I mean, it's refreshing to hear somebody to just peel back all the layers and be so raw with other people. You know, I, I, have a heart for so many. Um, one of the things I think that keeps me down, though, is is it's like every time I try to get up and walk with the Lord, and 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 I feel like things are going good, and I'm going to get there, you know. Then then bam, I get hit with another attack, and and the devil knows to when he can't get me, he goes after my children. Mm-hmm. And and it it just kills me. And so one of the things you said now it came back to me. 
was you said that when you are um, seeking approval, that there's mm-hmm. still healing that needs to be done. Right. And and so I've got to really pray about this because it really hit me hard because I don't seek approval from my neighbors or my coworkers or really from strangers. I don't I don't seek outside approval except with my children. And I'm constantly striving to receive some kind of approval or affirmation from my children that I'm not a failure. And so this is kind of where I'm at. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know exactly what it is that I even need to ask God for. I don't know what it is I need to ask forgiveness for or what to repent for. But any wisdom from you would be great. You know, sometimes... kind of open my eyes. Yeah, go ahead. Sometimes it's not a matter of needing to repent except maybe for judging yourself. Um, But, you know, having been a mother for 45 years, I can tell you that you, we, we don't always get approval from our children and even the perfect parent isn't, isn't always going to get that. So the affirmation about motherhood a lot of times doesn't come from there. And, but it will come from God. And just be at peace knowing that, that we're imperfect beings. And as long as you're serving the Lord to the best of your ability and seeking the Lord and walking in obedience and trusting him for the results, that's all he asks of us. He doesn't ask us to be perfect parents or perfect anything. He just wants us to be belong to him and to trust him because he's so much greater at solving our problems and fixing our children and you know contrary to what some people might say our children are real good at getting them all, their own selves into messes when they get to be young adults even those that have been raised well can go another way for a season so don't take that as, you know, I, I'm just a terrible mother. You know, you love your children, that's obvious. And give yourself a break. The Lord loves you the way you are. And he will guide you and he will strengthen you in any areas where you did fail. And my goodness, it's okay that you have areas that you failed because that makes you human. But those areas, he'll strengthen you if you trust him. And, But if you go to your children and, and look to them as the barometer for how you're doing, it can skew the way that you handle yourself as a parent. And it'll make it a whole lot harder. So did I, did I answer all, all of that? Or um, if you have more, you did, that's that makes, okay too. That makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. That makes a lot of sense because I, I think I look to their reactions to me to see how I'm doing. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, my children are older now, so they're young adults, so that's even harder for me now because now some of them are even mothers themselves. 
So, um, yeah, that's let go and let God, right? And the perfect example of a parent is God, right? Yeah. He's a perfect parent. He's absolutely perfect. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't make any junk and he doesn't mess it up. And look at some of his kids. You know, that that's pretty freeing, I think. <laughs> when we realize that that he's perfect and he still has some kids out there that are a mess going the wrong way and you know he grieves over it. But he he doesn't question himself as a parent because you know, he, he knows, he sees the bigger picture and unfortunately we don't. Well, God so, bless you, Deborah. I'm, I'm loving your show. It does, it does. It, you, you, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> and share this show with other people. Oh, I will. Can, you know, share Definitely. the archives of this show, uh, the, the replay. This replays on iTunes and through the show page. And, and I know that there are people that need to hear this message. And some of the other messages also, for that matter. But definitely share that. Well, thank you. Thank you for thank calling in. Thank you so in. much. And uh, I think it looks like, oh, we have one more. Uh, we have Jane from the San Antonio area. Hi, Jane. Welcome to Nightlight. Hi, Deborah. Hi, uh was listening to the show and everything you were through. Uh, haven't gone through quite the same things that you did, but I do understand that time of despair when you look up. So I could totally relate. And the main thing also that you said that it was God who came and picked me up from that. Otherwise, I'd still be there. So he doesn't leave us there. But I did have a question you were talking about how people, including people in the church, who you would feel would be the most uh, to help sustain you at this time and comfort you, how very many, so many of them were Job-type of friends. Uh, right. Really just salt in the wounds. Do you have any suggestions as, I mean, my inclination when if I'm going through something and somebody comes with this wonderful advice that is you didn't actually ask them for, just a little hug or to pray with you, but they have all this advice, my inclination is to say, get out of my face. But, you know, it doesn't <laughs> sound like the right way to approach it. So do you have any suggestions as to how to handle people like that? Oh, my goodness. That is a tough one. All I can say is, Sometimes we just have to um, have a lot of grace and know that that they're in a place where they haven't been through much or they wouldn't be acting like that. Um, it's kind of like somebody who's gone through poverty, understands poverty, and tends to be more helpful to people who don't have food than somebody who's wealthy because they don't understand it. It's the same kind of thing in the church. And by our having grace and love, no matter how they act towards us, teaching them something. And they'll they'll learn from that and maybe even be convicted uh, as, in the process of receiving that love. And it, it can be very, very hard. I know that. But and there are many times when I walked away over those kinds of comments 
and went somewhere and hid and cried because it was painful. And I know there are people listening tonight that go through this often, you know, and anybody who's got, say, a chronic illness or a, um, or they've been through something that makes them rough around the edges, you know, uh, broken. And it's when, when we're broken, it's obvious. Everybody can tell. And everybody that's in those situations gets more of that kind of advice than people who are not. And when you're broken and vulnerable, it's really hard to deal with that. But that's when you really have to really take it to the Lord constantly and continue to forgive over and over and over again. Just continue to go back to the Lord and say, I forgive them, Lord. I, can, I can't even count how many times that I had to do that. And, um, you know, we just... We just have to keep pressing on, and the Lord will make us better for it. So, yeah, I was thinking of Job, where he was answering them for the longest time, and then he stopped answering them and really began to direct his questions to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they were quiet after that, and then he was starting to hear from the Holy Spirit. I know it was a man speaking, but it was also the man said himself that he was getting inspiration from the spirit and that talked more directly to the problem so what you're saying is true apparently job's friends didn't understand right and and i see it was the lord telling job to pray for them so pretty much what you and you know i learned a lesson about vindication through all this as well because growing up in an abusive household you tend to want to defend yourself all the time if somebody says something to you or attacks you or tries to correct you, you have a tendency to be defensive and defend yourself. But -hmm. the Lord, through this, the Lord began to teach me that vindication belongs to him. And I was in a situation in, in the church that I was in a number of years ago where there were some people in the church that were supposed to be my leaders and they were judgmental towards me so much so that it was very obvious and I was very uncomfortable even coming in the room or being anywhere near them. And uh, it it came to a head in a situation that really shouldn't have happened. And, you know, somebody used their, what they thought was knowledge to prophesy to me uh, about me. And it was so far off track. It was, you know, even the situation wasn't even correct. And so, and that crushed me. And, um, my husband-to-be at the time was really upset for me, you know, and, and I was like, the Lord gave me the grace to say, you know what, just let it go. I'm just going to forgive them and keep going. So it wasn't too long after that, maybe a couple of months after that, that um, I was in church one day and uh, there was a prophetic minister that came to the church and called me out in front of the church and said said to me, you've been attacked by your brethren. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just ignorant. Oh, now, Lord see, that's, <laughs> that's God's vindication. You know, yes. we don't have to vindicate ourselves, and we could never do it like that. And so yeah. that's another aspect to that when we forgive and we keep going forward. Man, but, can you do that? You see Jesus doing that in the scriptures when, especially when women, because 
bank very often were attacked that way by the people that thought, well, I'd be letting that one touch him and all that. But he did speak. They didn't ask him to speak up for them, but he did. And mm-hmm. he was like, you see her with love and leave her alone. She's doing a good thing. That's right. Well, thank you for calling in, and uh, it's time for me to close the show. So, You're welcome. Uh, God bless you. You are listening to Nightlight. Well, I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight, and I, I really hope and pray that this has touched your heart and uh, that you'll share it with people that you know need to hear this. Next week, John and I will be continuing with this subject, Beauty for Ashes, as we have a real talk conversation about what led up to us having Nightlight and the painful journey that God has brought each one of us through. Do you have a testimony or do you want to stay in touch? You can contact us through our homepage, nightlight.cafe, by clicking on the social media or the email links. Share this episode with your loved ones. Nightlight is available on iTunes through the show page, or you can also just go to the show page to listen to the replay. Give a gift that can transform a life and bring hope this Christmas. Order your copy of my Kindle bestseller, Red Alert America, Sound the Alarm, available on Amazon.com for only $4.99. See you next week. Until then, this is Deborah Nazemi. Good night. You have been listening to Nightline. It's holiday party season, and Randall's is here to help. Down every aisle in every department, you'll find everything you need to make your holiday gatherings just better. For easy, delicious dinners, stop by the meat department for fresh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts, only $1.77 a pound. And swing by the produce department to pick up fresh, medium Haas avocados, great for snacks, salads, and favorite recipes, two for just a dollar. Juicier meats, fresher produce, better parties. Randall's, it's just better.